1: Our program is designed to empower the CHD, or congenital heart defect, community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski.
2: Welcome to Season 9 and 3 quarters of Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Carol Ramundi and I am sitting in today for Anna while she is on hiatus. I am a CCTGA warrior and stroke survivor. There tends to be confusion understanding the difference between a transient ischemic attack, TIA, or mini-stroke, and a stroke, or cerebrovascular accident, CVA. With a TIA, there's a temporary interruption of blood flow to the brain, causing symptoms that mimic a stroke. Some of these symptoms include numbness or weakness to one side of the body, difficulty speaking, or loss of vision. With a TIA, these symptoms resolve relatively fast, generally within 24 hours. In most cases, there are no residual deficits. However, a TIA could be a warning sign of an impending stroke. According to Mayo Clinic, one in three patients who have a TIA will go on to have a stroke within days. A stroke happens when the blood supply to a part of the brain is interrupted or reduced, either by a blocked artery or leaking blood vessel. Depending on how quickly the issue is resolved correlates with the severity of residual effects, such as weakness or speech issues. I myself actually have had multiple TIAs and a stroke. My first was at age 18. I suddenly felt my arm and leg get heavy and numb. I was brought to the emergency room, where they ran numerous tests. They found that I had an elevated level of anticardiolipin antibodies, which causes the body to form clots. That, in conjunction with my complex anatomy of my heart, is the reason they felt I had the TIA. They started me on blood thinners to try to prevent them. Despite being on the blood thinners, I still continue to have multiple TIAs over the years and still do as of recently, approximately a year ago, as well as a larger stroke about 15 years ago. As I said before, the difference was with the TIAs, I recovered and regained my strength within a few days. With the stroke, however, it took me a long time to get back to my baseline. I had to do several weeks of inpatient rehab to help recovery along. They're not sure why I'm still having these TIAs. They've added increased blood thinners, aspirin. They do feel that it's related to my congenital heart defects, that I throw little microclots, but... Fortunately, the residual effects have not been that detrimental where I'm unable to walk or anything like that. Today's show is Strokes and TIAs in a CHD patient, and our guests are Frank Lynn and Therese Corino. We'll start segment one by talking with Frank, and we'll meet Therese Corino in the next segment. Frank Lynn works in the IT professional services marketing and is a dad to two heart-healthy boys, James and Thomas. Frank was born with transposition of the great arteries that was corrected with the mustard procedure when he was 13 months. Other than limited exercise tolerance for running long distances, Frank led an active childhood playing Little League baseball, basketball, and tennis. In 2011, he had a series of ablation procedures to get rid of scar tissue from his surgery that caused him to experience atrial flutter and had a dual chamber pacemaker implanted in 2012. Frank had a transient ischemic attack, also known as a TIA, following the pacemaker implantation. A CT scan confirmed he had a TIA, but fortunately there was no permanent damage. Frank does cardio exercise three times a week, referees youth soccer, leads hikes for his son's Cub Scout pack, and helps coach his son's Little League team. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Frank.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: What happened when you had your TIA? Can you tell us about your symptoms and how you responded?
3: Yeah, so I had basically just been home from the hospital for only about a couple days. And this was after having an 11-hour procedure that was both an ablation and when they implanted the pacemaker. And so I was recovering from that and I was actually on a work conference call when all of a sudden the right half of my body just kind of stopped functioning it you know my brain would tell my arm to move and my arm just wouldn't do it or it would only move halfway it was you know the weirdest thing I had ever experienced but I had remembered hearing that if half your body wasn't working or numb or it always had to do with half your body that could be a symptom of stroke so I was actually on a teleconference call for work with my left hand I Googled symptoms of stroke and half your body, and sure enough, it came up that that was a symptom of stroke. And I also learned that it was something that you wanted to have treated as soon as possible so there'd be no lasting damage. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I basically kind of calmly told my coworkers, hey guys, I think I might be having a stroke, so I need to go, and I'm gonna call the paramedics. I'll check in with you later. And so I called the paramedics, Uh, They came in about 10 minutes, which is great. They took me down to Kaiser Hospital that's about 12 miles away. And my wife and son followed me in their car. And I actually remember that day it was raining. And the paramedics asked me if I wanted them to cover my head with a sheet to keep me dry. And I told them, oh, no, my wife and son are behind. They might think I'm dead if you do that. So I'll go ahead and get rained on so I did that. They took me inside. Fortunately, I think they got me on blood-thinning medication right away and started doing tests, and fortunately, about an hour or so into being at the hospital, I totally felt back to normal. I felt great. I think the worst part about that day was just waiting for all the tests to be done so I could actually check back out of the hospital and get back and let my coworkers know I was okay.
2: Wow. So you were... Discharged that same day
3: I was discharged that same day. Yeah, actually I think in a matter of hours probably You know like I said I was I felt okay probably less than an hour after being there And I think it took me about four hours after that to get out of the hospital It was mostly going through all the tests and the paperwork you have to do to get discharged from a hospital
2: sure sure so how has having that TIA impacted your life
3: Fortunately, it really hasn't impacted my activity or anything. The CT scan that I had done by a neurologist at Kaiser had confirmed that there was no permanent damage, so I was very thankful for that. So I would say it hasn't really impacted my life too much. It has made me judicious about taking my blood thinning medication and getting my INRs tested because I'm somebody who prior to my ablation procedures and prior to having a pacemaker implanted that will actually override or pace me out of atrial flutter, when I went into atrial flutter I couldn't feel that I was. In fact, I've done um, boogie boarding, playing tennis, I've done a lot of heavy physical activity when I was in atrial flutter because I had no idea that I was. But thankfully, I've been out of atrial flutter for about four years now. I'm just very judicious about taking my beta blockers to keep me out of AFib and just making sure that I'm on the blood thinners just in case I go back so I don't have another TIA or stroke.
2: Wow. Now, you said you had known some of the symptoms of stroke before you had the TIA. Is that something that your doctor prepared you for?
3: No, Is it something you that know, you
2: think... You know, is it also, is this something that you think all CHD patients should be knowledgeable about?
3: Yeah, so to answer the first question, basically, I had known the rationale for taking the blood thinners was to prevent the stroke. And uh, my cardiologist was pretty good about ingraining that within my brain that this is why you take blood thinners and you know, this is why you want to be out of a fib because a fib causes blood to flow around in your heart and that's what causes the stroke. Right, But she had actually never discussed what the actual symptoms of stroke were with me, you know, and I think that was because she was hoping I would never go into it or sure it They do sure. everything to prevent it. So that piece about, you know, that for some reason I had seen that on a medical show or, you know, my parents have elderly friends. I must have picked up on that piece of information and just retained it. And I'm really glad I did because... I was kind of in recuperation mode working from home. And had I not Googled that, I might have thought, okay, well, this is just kind of weird, but maybe I'll go to bed and rest for a little while and, and see if it, if it goes away when I did the right thing of going to the hospital right away. Because I think most experts in the field of stroke say that you need to get treated within four hours to keep from having any permanent damage. So absolutely I'm really glad I remembered that piece of information.
2: Good, good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Frank, for sharing all that with us. Now it's time for a commercial break, but don't leave yet. because coming up next. We're going to talk with Therese Corino about her experience with stroke. We'll be back after this brief commercial break.
1: The most common themes that I hear is why.
2: She always needed um, a lot of attention.
0: She had strokes.
4: Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw
2: from the chd community i think being a part of it to help me be part
1: of the solution heart to heart with michael please join us every thursday at noon eastern i'm michael lieben and i'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments
0: home tonight forever by the baby blue sound collective Did you know
2: that most men suffer from beard itch, ingrown hairs, and a dry face all because they're not using the right shaving tools? At Woodraiser.com, we sell handmade, heirloom quality badger hair brushes that exfoliate the skin, open the pores, and stimulate hair follicles, which gives a gentleman a closer, more comfortable shave and a clean face. Visit our website, Woodraiser.com, where you can learn more about men's skincare and check out our professional shaving tools. A perfect gift for your man, built to last for generations. That's dot com.
1: You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at Hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at Hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna.
2: Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is strokes at TIAs and TIAs in a CHD patient. And our guests are Frank Lynn and Therese Corino, and I am Carol Ramundi, and I'm guest hosting for Anna while she's on hiatus. Frank Lynn just finished telling us how he had a TIA and how it has impacted his life. Now we're going to talk with Therese Corino about her experience with stroke. Therese Corino is a supervisor for Illinois Action for Children. She was born in 1973 with Tetralogy of Fallot. In 1974, doctors repaired her mitral valve. Then, in 1992, she had her mitral valve replaced with a porcine valve. Therese has had other medical conditions to deal with, including a lumpectomy in 1990, an aneurysm in her neck, which had to be coiled off, and another aneurysm, which had to be stented and opened up in 2008. Since 2007, she's been dealing with rhythm issues, which required cardioversion. During the cardioversion, she had a stroke. Teresa's medical history has been further complicated in recent years by a diagnosis of lupus in 2013 and shrinking lung disease in 2015. In her free time, she enjoys hanging out with her dog, Peyton, swimming, and spending time with her family. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us about what happened when you had your stroke? What were your warning signs, and what did you do?
4: When I had my stroke, I was cardioverted, like you said. I was in tachycardia. I was in heart failure. My heart was going about 300 beats per minute, so it was pretty fast. And, yeah, and um, I was at Children's Memorial Hospital, and they cardioverted me. And about 12 hours later, they, they decided to keep me overnight because my Coumadin needed to be at the levels that I was at therapeutically, and I wasn't there yet, so they decided to keep me. And usually my parents always stay with me for the first couple nights just to make sure I'm okay, and I was feeling fine. So I told them, you know, go home, I'm good. You know, I'm just getting my Coumadin, you know, therapeutic. So they went home, (laughs) and 12 hours later after the surgery, I was feeling a little different, and I started, um, I all of a sudden, I couldn't talk. And thankfully, the nurse was in the room at that time, and my arm went behind my back, and my back arched, and I couldn't say anything. And then she left the room, and I'm thinking, where is she, where is she going? Why is she leaving me? But obviously, she went and pressed the button, and seconds later, a rush of doctors and nurses came in. They gave me, um, you know, they put the IV in and they gave me the medication to hopefully stop the stroke. And I was thankful that I was at the hospital so that it was that I didn't have as many symptoms. I did have symptoms and I still do to this day, but the stroke did go, the. it was went from my heart to my brain. And that's how it had happened.
2: So there was a blood clot that was there when they did the cardioversion that went to your brain, and that's what caused the stroke? Yes. And did you have to have surgery as well? Do I remember that correctly?
4: Uh, No, I did not have to have surgery. No. They watched it very closely, but no, I did not have to have surgery. Good. Yeah.
2: So having that stroke, what impact has that had on your health? Did you have rehabilitative therapy after that?
4: Yeah, so I did have to have... A lot of therapy, because at first, my mouth, um, the side of my uh, lip was droopy. I couldn't talk. My whole right side was, um, I couldn't feel numbness in my fingers and my toes. Um, I couldn't walk. I had a hard time talking. So I had physical therapy. I had um, you know, cognitive re- cognitive therapy. At first, I had a hard time with recall, remembering things, things like that. And then I had speech therapy because my speech wasn't very clear. So now it affects me in a way of um, I have a hard time remembering things when I'm talking. I have to ha- have things written down so that I can sure. uh, recall. You know, recall is really hard for me. If I'm really, really tired, it sounds like I'm drunk. <laughs> and I don't drink, as you all know, because of all the medications that we take. So I really have to watch, you know, when I get really, really tired that I'm not driving or um, sure. or anything like that. You know, we all have that issue. But I also have a right foot drop. If, so if I'm wearing sandals, if I'm wearing shoes, you can't tell. But if I'm wearing, like, loose sandals, I could um, I could tell. Everyone else says they can't tell, but I have a little bit of a foot drop. And then I have... um my handwriting is horrible. I used to have really nice penmanship, and now I can't write for anything. I, sometimes I can't even read my own handwriting. So I have really bad, I write really small where I used to write really big. Um, Hmm. yeah, so that was really, um, one of the biggest things. Um, and then fatigue and fatigue can come from, you know, my lupus or it can come from um, the stroke, because I was tired before um, I was
2: diagnosed. Sure. Um, yeah, so. So what role do you think that the lupus played in your stroke and with your rehabilitation? Yeah, so
4: so um, strokes um, can impact lupus patients, but I was diagnosed with lupus in 2013. But, you know, that was when my symptoms came out. So we don't know if lupus impacted you know, what had happened in 2007. But um, the doctors say that, you know, the the stroke was because of my congenital heart disease, because of the tachycardia and sure. everything else. So um, they don't think it's because of the lupus. Okay. Because of the, the, the dates in between, you know, the years in
2: between. So, wow. Well, thank you so much, Therese, for sharing this information with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So now it's time for another short commercial break, but don't leave yet. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Frank and Therese about their advice for other heart warriors and how having these neurologic events have affected their outlook on their health. We will be right back after this quick commercial break.
3: When I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me.
4: Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our
3: show. We have a great year planned, and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics.
1: Heart to Heart with Nicole and David, serving the ACHD community, Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Many families are unaware
2: that over 30 types of congenital heart defects exist. CHDs are the leading cause of neonatal and infant death in America. Many children are born with multiple heart defects, and families need help in creating more awareness to catch and cure CHDs. Do your part to bring awareness and research. Many CHDs may not be detected until later in adult life. Hi, I'm John Montez of NBC's hit acapella show, The Sing-Off. In acapella music, it takes a team to create a sound that many will enjoy, just like it'll take a team to help my good friend Miles Schweitzer, an HLHS survivor. Let's help Miles fulfill his dream and make a big enough sound to bring awareness to congenital heart disease. Please visit him at GoFundMe.com/slash The Miles Project. Miles with the Y. Again, that's GoFundMe.com/The
1: Project. This is for Miles. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna.
2: Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Strokes and TIAs in the CHD Patient, and our guests are Frank Lynn and Therese Carino. We just finished talking with Therese about how having a stroke has affected her life. Now we're going to talk to Frank and Therese about these neurologic events a little bit more. Frank, can you tell us what impact having that TIA has had on your perspective about your health?
3: I guess the only impact it's really had is, um, you know, I I make sure that I try to prevent one from happening again. Like I said, I was very judicious about being on blood thinners, making sure I get my INRs tested, but, um, you know, also being conscientious of the fact that should this ever happen again, it's something that I would want to get treated right away to prevent any permanent damage from happening.
2: Right, right. Yeah, it's... Very important, I think, that's a key fact to take home is that as soon as you have those symptoms, that's something that needs to be addressed right away. The faster that somebody gets into treatment and gets us taken care of, the better the outcomes are. Absolutely. So, Therese, tell us about what impact having a stroke has had on your perspective about your health. I think that
4: what Frank said is, you know, really important as well, you know, making sure that you're keeping, you know, your community levels correct and i think all that is important but for me too it's also really affected my life in many ways you know my my work having to prepare a lot more for my work and when i'm going to speak and even at meetings you know if i have to speak in front of an audience some people can get up and just speak but for me i really have to think about what i'm going to say i have to write it down you know i have to think about it so that i'm prepared if I just get up and try to say something, I can't do that anymore like I used to. And, you know, writing it down is hard for me. Sometimes I have to type it into my phone. You know, those... Sure. Thing, thing, you know, thank God for our phones because that little note section in our phones, I could type it in there. And then I could look at my phone and actually now I'll be able to read it. Because when I would write it before, I couldn't read my writing. So it's like all these little things that add up is um is so hard for me it's little things in life that are hard for me that people take for granted so right. i think it's yeah it's something that i just really um have to really think about and even like my sleep i have to make sure i get enough sleep so that i'm not tired the next day so really planning out all my days and how it really affects my life
2: right so i know for myself even with when i've had tias that I've always had a hard time afterwards with word finding. Yeah, um, like I'll look at something and I'll know exactly what it is, but I'll call it ten different names until I come up with the right name. So that's always something very frustrating, especially yeah. when you're with the you know group of peers or whatnot. So I also did speech therapy to help me with some tips and doing things like that. Yeah. So it, it is difficult, and it gets better after a while, but it definitely is something that still kind of lingers.
4: Yeah. So yes, I understand.
2: So Frank, what advice would you give to our community when it comes to the warning signs for these strokes and TIAs?
3: I mean, like I said, the biggest thing that stuck with me is if something's wrong with half your body, go get checked out right away. Take that seriously. It's a weird and new feeling for most people, and you just don't know what to do because it's not something that you would necessarily think is vital or sensitive but it absolutely is
2: absolutely absolutely and like we said the faster you get in for treatment the better recovery is yep so therese what advice would you give to our community about how to bounce back from a serious neurologic event like a stroke
4: i think really following through the therapies the therapies did help me i think that you know if i didn't work with a therapist like I did because they even after I left the hospital, they came to my house and continued to work with me. I think that was really as, as frustrated as I was because I wanted to get better and get back to work as right. soon as possible. But I really stayed home and really focused on myself. And I think that was really important so that if you do go through something like this, really take the time to focus on yourself because you only you have that time to really build on what to get better. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Like you said, following through with that therapy is just imperative. Yeah.
4: And as frustrated as I mean, I was frustrated with myself at the time because I was like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. And it was hard. It was really difficult for myself.
2: But absolutely.
4: Yeah,
2: absolutely. I know. I found myself trying to just do little exercises at home or trying to do different types of crossword puzzles, things that'll stimulate yeah. my brain always seems to help.
4: Yeah, those word games and things.
2: Absolutely. Um,
4: and I think one of the let la- I mean, like one thing I, I really, I, I truly believe in is, you know, because we've been through, through a lot, you know, strokes and surgeries and all of this, you know, for all years, you know, and I know it's cliche, but I really truly believe that, you know, you have to just live every day to the fullest because I think, you know, we have so much going on in our life that you have to live every day like we're here. We're we're gonna live this day to to the fullest. And I think that's so important in our Ab-
2: in our abs- life. Absolutely, I think that's yeah perfect way to close out the sessions. It was wonderful talking with you both. I'd like to thank both Frank and Therese for coming on the program today. Thank you for thank having
4: you. us.
3: Well, it was great talking to you, Carol. Thank you so much.
2: So that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. This has been Carol Ramundi filling in for Anna. Thank you for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Until then, please find and follow our radio show on Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone.
1: Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network.